joy to be going through this book of Galatians with you guys over the past few weeks. And uh, I'm kind of sad that this, this series is kind of coming to an end uh, today, but we are going to be kicking up our Ephesians series next week. And super excited, Ephesians is one of my favorite books in Scripture, a lot of meat, and we want you to be here for that. And uh, we don't want you to miss it. Bring a friend, tell your friends. Uh, man, it's just going to be some good, good stuff. And I've really enjoyed um, just hearing God's heart through Paul as he speaks to the church of Galatia. It's been really, really encouraging um, because he truly loves this church. And, and I just, man, it just it blows me away because I can see so many parallels in my life to, uh, to how I feel about you guys and how I feel about our church. And, and uh, it's just been super Cool. But over the past few weeks, uh, we've been going throughout Galatians, and we've, of course, been talking about freedom. And we've been talking about freedom by grace, freedom through faith, freedom from slavery, freedom to grow. Last week, we talked about freedom to run. And uh, although uh, all are through Christ, now the freedom through grace, uh, faith, from slavery to grow to run, all that is through Christ, obviously. But there's one element that we have not talked about that's very, very key, very, very important. There's one thing that we have not talked about and really honed in on, and we're really going to talk about that today, and it's freedom by the Spirit. So if you're taking notes, uh, it is freedom by the Spirit, and that's what we are going to discuss today. And we might get a little Pentecostal you know, and, and, and talk about the Spirit, and that's all right. So uh, freedom by the Spirit. So if you're taking notes, that's, that's our title for today's talk. And I want to kind of ask you a few questions, you guys. How many of y'all are taking, like, history or some type of, of like, history? I don't know, <laughs> you know, you're taking history. So think, what are some examples of some civil wars that have happened? Someone can tell me an example of a, a civil war. Okay. Ghana? Ganda? Maybe. I don't know. We watched a movie about it. Okay. It was a genocide. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It was really scary. Okay. So we've got that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's what's a what's a, another civil war? Our civil war. What? Who was that between? Great Britain and the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is one <laughs> kind of different in a. The, the north the Very good. Is there another one? Another one? Okay. Sparta versus Athens. That's good. What else? The, the British Civil War. The Korean Civil War. Captain America versus Iron Man Civil War. Yes. Now, here's the deal. Civil Wars. Now, let's think about what Civil Wars are. Are. That's, that, that's one entity that's supposed to be together, and what happens? They start battling each other. There's a divide, and this side is fighting this side, right? That's what a civil war is, and they have everything in common with that central theme that there's one, it's supposed to be whole, but the, the state or the people are divided in two different Sections, and I want to pose this this morning, but do you realize that we are in a, a personal civil war every single day? And I'm talking about believers, and I'm talking about non believers, but here, we, as we talk about the Spirit, 
We're talking about believers. And this isn't a political or a social civil war, but an internal civil war. And you need to realize, and we need to realize, that this war starts the moment you take your first breath on this planet to the moment you fail to inhale again. This war rages from beginning to end. And as we think about this war, we, we, we think that it never stops. It's vicious. And if you don't fight, you will lose this internal civil war. Paul talks about this first in Romans. And we think about, and we hear this is a familiar verse. You know, he says, I do not understand what I do for what I hate to do, I do. And he talks about this civil war that rages and wages inside of us. And this, it's this battle that goes on on both sides. It's our flesh and our spirit. The spirit that wants to honor God and the flesh that is so self-centered that fight on a consistent basis. And what's interesting is that Paul wasn't the only one when he discusses this. Paul wasn't the only one to talk about this and deal with this. It happens with you and I even today. That this internal civil war happens from the moment that you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And the bad news is that it never stops. And you're going, Ryan, you're really setting up a downer of a message. I hear you. But here's the deal. There, what if I told you that you could win. And what if I, could to, if I told you that there are steps to winning this war? Hopefully you would say, yeah, I want to know those things because I, I want to know those things because a, as a believer, we get attacked consistently. As an unbeliever, you're, you're, you're attacked in a different way. But as a believer, we have this battle that rages every single day and Paul is so gracious enough to write down to the church of Galatia the facts of we know or he says I know that you've been dealing with these things but I can help you get out of it I can help you step away I can help you fight this battle and not only fight this battle to win so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. And if you have it on your app, uh, dial up Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to be starting in verse 16. And over the next few verses, Paul just shows us what it looks like to have this battle waging within us. So I pose this morning that this is from or for all of you. This isn't for just one person in here. This isn't from like a few select folks. If you're front to back, side to side, if you're listening online, this has to deal with you. And I want to encourage you that there is hope, there is victory, and all we have to do is run to the Spirit and have freedom by the Spirit. So let's check this out. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into Scripture. God, I love you so much, and I thank you for your word, how it's so real. Father, I ask that you would speak to us now and illuminate it in our hearts. And God, help us understand that this battle is, one, it's worth fighting. God, we don't, we don't need to give up. We don't just need to lay down. Father, we need to fight. We need to fight hard because there's a battle going on for our, our hearts and our minds every single day. And so, Father, I pray that today we find hope and we find joy and we find victory. 
because God, you want us to live in those moments. So Father, speak to my friends, speak to me through your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse 16, we're gonna dive on in. Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. He goes on to explain verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. That is a key word, obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envies, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, and I love how Paul sets this. He, he gets really straight up with these folks and he's like really preaching the truth and when he adds this conjunction in here it just interrupts and brings hope he says but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So let's break this down. What does this mean? Let's let's tear this apart and see how it applies to our life. And we're just going to take it kind of verses by verses. Verse 16, Paul says, So I Say Now, that's very important. He's very aggressive in his speech. When he says, so I say, he wants you to get this. He's saying, if you haven't heard anything else, you need to listen to this right here because this is super important. So he says this, so I say, walk by the Spirit. He sets up two things right here. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He's saying this, so he sets it up what he's about to say. He says, walk by the Spirit. He's telling the church of Galatia, listen, you need to walk by the Spirit and you will not. This is a promise. Walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And he says, this is super easy. That's what he means by so I say. This is like, I'm telling you what I mean, and this is if you just would put it in the practice, this is the cause, and this is the effect. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Cause and effect. In verse 17, he says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. Remember, he says this back in Romans, that this is a personal civil war. This is an internal civil war, and it reminds this church, look, I know I said this to the Romans, but I want you to understand this too, that you're in this battle as well. You're in this war as well. And this happens when the Spirit goes against the flesh the sinful nature. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. 
And what he means by that is saying he's telling the church because they've been, and remember that legalism thing that they've been trying to do, that they, it's, it's Jesus plus something equals legalism. And that's what, he's been, that's what he's been trying to preach, that that's not how it goes. It's Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. And he says, he says, you're not under the law if you're walking by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, excuse me. And the reason he says this is because it brings a whole new outlook. You have a whole new way of life. You have a whole new way of thinking. It's not the same. So he's telling the church, look, it's not the same. And then he says, the acts of the sinful nature or the acts of the flesh are, what's that word he says? Kind of hard to see. Maybe sometime jaded. What does he say? Obvious. He said, it's obvious. It's not hard to tell the acts of the sinful nature. You know, it's almost likened it to a tree. You can walk up to an apple tree because it has what on it? Apples, very good. You can walk up to an orange tree and see that it's an orange tree because it has what on it? Oranges. He says that you can see a sinful person or the acts of a sinful, per- a sinful person of the flesh because their acts are obvious. And then he goes on to explain this list. This isn't an exhaustive list. This isn't, like, he didn't, he didn't say these are the only things. There's more to this list. Anything that stands in the way, he's saying, anything that stands in the way of you and God. Because I see, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, selfish ambition, envy. And so he says all these things that, that kind of sound so similar and then he adds, and the like. He said, anything that could come in the way of you and God. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he throws this conjunction, like I said, in there. So he sets these hard things up because they're reading this. I, I'm trying to, when I, when I read scripture, I try to put myself in the place of the, the receiver. So if it's a letter uh, that Paul's writing, I want to try to put myself in the receiving position of this letter. If it's, if it's a gospel, I want to try to weave myself into the stories. Uh, like, what would I do if I was standing on the street and I couldn't see Jesus? And like uh, Zacchaeus, he, he got up in a tree. Would I get up in a tree to see Jesus? Or if I had an issue, would I run and try to, to grab the hem of Jesus' clothes? Like, that's, I try to put myself in the story. And here, I, I read this, and I'm going, man, the Galatians, as, as, as if, God, if, if Paul hasn't really thrown down on them, he really calls them out right here. He said, they're obvious, guys. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. And then he says, but. And that conjunction is so strong. Because he says, the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit a couple of months ago. We had a fruit of the Spirit series, and we talked about that it's not like an orange, and it's not like an apple. It's not this. It's not the cornucopia that we have at you know Thanksgiving on the on the table. It's not all that. But what it is, it would be like a grape cluster that that the vine would follow through or flow through to the individual parts of the fruit like a grapevine it would come through and all these different fruit are on this cluster and that's what he says he says the spirit is and now that's very important he said that it's obvious of the acts of 
the flesh. The sinful nature are obvious. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And that's his way of saying that if you display these things, it's obvious as well. He said the fruit of the Spirit is. He didn't say could be. He didn't say if you get things right first. He says the fruit of the Spirit is. And you receive these a moment of salvation. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He says those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Remember, he said that in Galatians 2. Remember, he said that I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying that my old life is dead. I mean, it was dead, and it was nailed in to, the, to the cross in the worst death that it could ever die I do not have to carry that weight anymore. He's saying to the Galatians, look, you don't have to do this. You are, you are a new creation in Christ. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's follow His footsteps. And then he says this, I love in verse 26. He just doesn't stop. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying Envying, that was a redneck. Envying each other. He says, listen, if you do these things, we will win. Like, you will win. Church, you will win. But don't, like, walk up to someone who's in sin and who's still struggling and go, hey, I love you, brother. You're doing great. I have gentleness with you right now. Let me, let's go buy you lunch, and, and I'll be self-controlled, and I won't eat a whole lot. And, and it's not like rubbing it in someone's face. He's saying if you do these things, you will win, but it's not just showing it off. It's not just say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so he's telling the Galatians these things, but also I think Paul is telling us some super huge things as well. And I see three things here that Paul is telling us. I see three things here that Paul is trying to share with us that we need to do, three things you need to do to fight this battle against the flesh because the battle wages on. And he says... Number one, number one, you need to walk by the Spirit. We see that. We see that in verse 16. Verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit. Now, a lot, of the, a lot of the notes and a lot of the things that we've been seeing in this, this message have come from this book. It's by two awesome, awesome pastors, uh, David Platt, Tony Merida, and, and they are just incredible, incredible guys. And in this, I couldn't have said this any better. I couldn't have set up this illustration any better. I put it, if you follow me on Facebook, I put it on my Facebook the other day just because it was just so huge. But I want to I read this to you. Tony Meredith says, To walk by the Spirit indicates the need to yield to the Spirit every day. Super cool. At work, at a ball game, in the home, everywhere. The word for walk, parapitiate. Parapitiate. So I, I'm, I'm trying. Redneck over here. Actually, it's parapatiate. Can I say it? Y'all say parapatiate. parapatiate. All right, say it like you mean it. Come on. Parapatiate. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Y'all are way better at the Greek than, than I am. 
He says, in its wider usage in Greek means to walk around after someone or to walk in a particular direction. So it's like follow the leader. Y'all played follow the leader before? A few of you? Okay, all right, cool. So he says, in the days of Aristotle, his students were known as parapatetics. 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 A struggle bus is real. Because of their habit to following their teacher around. Listen, for the Christian to walk by the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit means to follow our teacher around. We must listen to the Spirit's word, discern his will, and follow his guidance. This is not, listen, this is not a deeper life or a higher life. This is normal Christian life. This isn't something that's just for the people who say, well, I go to church, or I've been going to church forever, or I've been a Christian forever, and it's not for just those people. It's for the person that just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's for the person that's been a Christian forever. It's one of those things that this is a normal Christian life, and I love this. He says, we should note the tension here between God's divine power and the believer's human choice. Christians must decide to walk by the Spirit continually. And at the same time, the Spirit is at work to create new appetites and give new power to resist the flesh and to please God. In this last sentence, the phrase, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, is a promise. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not. It's not one of those things where it could happen. No, no, no. If you walk by the Spirit, you will have freedom and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But it doesn't stop there. So he first says you need to walk by the Spirit. You need to walk by the Spirit. And then number two, he says you need to be led by the Spirit. Look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You need to realize that the problem that is going on is not out there too many times we say that the problems that are happening are out there it's not me it's not this it's out there but let me say this and let me pose this to you the problems that are going on are not out there they're in here they're not out there they're in here he says i want you to remember that in christ you have a whole new life the old is gone the new is come He's canceled that debt that you deserve, that death that you deserve. And Jesus, before he left, he says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you a counselor. And when that counselor comes, he's going to come inside of you, and he's going to know you, and he's going to love you, and he's going to guide you. And we are so privileged. Listen, we are so privileged to have the Spirit inside of us. He is our guide. We walk by the Spirit, but not only do we walk by the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit. And that's what we need to be. That's what you need to do. When that battle rages and rages on, we follow the lead of the Spirit for freedom. So it doesn't end there. Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And he says one more thing. He says to live by the Spirit. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with 
the Spirit. Now, that keep in step here, Paul is using this as a, it's a military verbiage. He's, it's a military meaning that you're in line just as, a, as, a mili- as the army or as the Marines, as, as military would fall in line and they would follow the person in front of them, but not only follow the person in front of them, they're following the leader. And whatever the leader does, he does. And whatever, whatever uh, direction she goes, they go. And it's one of those things, they are following the leader. And what Paul says is that you have to live by the Spirit. You have to follow the leader you have to follow the spirit if you want freedom from that struggle that you're dealing with whether it's pride whether it's backbiting whether it's an addiction anything that you're dealing with if you want freedom from this he says you have to put these three things in place you have to you have to engage in these three things because if you don't you're going to lose the battle you're going to lose the war you're going to lose this thing that's happening every day and that moment that you wake up and you take that first air of breath in the morning that you realize that you have life for that day to the moment that you go to sleep and that you pray and say okay god if you allow me to have tomorrow let me walk in the spirit let me be led by the spirit and let me live by the spirit because if you don't you're going to go down. And I don't want that for you. We as a team and SDS, we don't want that for you. We want you to live victorious lives. And so many times I think teenagers, you guys get the bad rap and you say, well, they're just teenagers. They're just sowing their wild oats or they're just doing and being what teenagers do and be. And let me pose you something real fast that you can be way more than that. And those things that are bogging you down, those struggles, those issues that the flesh keeps welling up, and you know what they are, keeps welling up inside of you because that's that selfishness. Your old life keeps coming up, but that spirit lives inside of you that gives you the power to fight. It gives you the power to have victory. And it gives you the power to win. So what? So let me ask you. How many of you play a sport? There's a lot of you that play sports. Or you do some type of comp, uh, uh, competition. You compete in something. Whether you're a, a, a thespian or you're a basketball player, you do some types of competitions. If you're an underwater basket weaver, you're going up against people all the time. And you are, listen, you're in that competition. And here's the deal. When you win, what happens? You're happy. What else? You get a trophy? What did you say? You celebrate. What happens to your face when you hit that wall or you cross that line or you, you win that award? What happens to your face? It smiles. Does it just smile? Don't answer this. Let someone else answer. <laughs> what, what happens? Your whole countenance changes, right? Man, you are stoked. You are happy. You are joyful and imagine what it would look like listen guys imagine what it would look like imagine what it would look like if we really lived that we won this battle and this battle that's fighting against us we can fight back and we can hit it hard and we will win if we just follow the spirit's lead and we have freedom by the spirit listen 
Imagine what that would look like, the joy that would be in our face. It wouldn't be circumstantial. It wouldn't just be because something good happened and then 10 minutes later it gets over. No, it would be an overflow of our hearts. We would find joy. And that's what I want for us. I want that for myself. That I have joy in every circumstance because I know that, that God has given me the Spirit and I have freedom to win. And I have freedom to live. And I want that for you guys. Because imagine what STS would look like. Imagine what our church would look like if we just had that joy that comes from the victory of battle. It'd be huge. It'd be different. It'd be awesome. Let me pray for you guys. 